I consider myself to be a careful Sasquatch enthusiast. I say careful as it is hard to be taken seriously by many when telling them that you believe in the existence of Bigfoot. However, I have my environment to blame. Living in the Pacific Northwest and wandering through the majestic stretches of pine, cedar, and fir trees, it is easy to see how such a creature could live without ever being discovered. Regardless of the conspiratorial connotation that follows Bigfoot, it can be a fun, if not amusing, idea to entertain. But what if there is some legitimacy to the stories, the sightings, and the tracks? Is there any credible evidence that points to the existence of this legendary creature? It was in college when I came across stories of mythical creatures passed down in Native American oral tradition that I truly began to think about these ideas. I had stumbled across the terrifying legend of the Wendigo, passed down by the Algonquin-speaking First Nation tribes. Many of these tribes, located in the areas around the dense forests of eastern and central Canada, shared stories passed down through generation, stories of a maniacal, bloodthirsty being. It took on the form of a human, or a spirit, which was said to go around committing acts of murder, cannibalism, and greed. I began to look into the Wendigo and quickly discovered that accounts from tribes were not hard to find, and that the elders or tribal leaders of a multitude of First Nations groups shared eerily simmer stories of the Wendigo. The Wendigo is but one of a dozens of legendary creatures of the world, from the Loch Ness Monster to the Chupacabra to the Jackalope. And while many of these creatures have trouble standing the test of empiricism, history might be able to provide some of the answers that biology and zoology have not been able to prove yet. My Wonder Day assignment will be focused on the following. What historical Native American sources exist which point to the existence of Sasquatch? Sasquatch is an interesting creature, and many sources such as OrganEncyclopedia.com show how nuanced the mythical figure truly is. The Sasquatch entry on the website outlines Sasquatch as the creature used as a sports mascot, a souvenir item, and a popular, popular figure around the entire Pacific Northwest. Even more interesting, the website notes how loggers created playful, joking cultures around Sasquatch carving figures at random spots in the forest to scare their friends. But as I read on, I began to see that the legend, while a novelty and very funny, did not develop out of thin air. In fact, many accounts and stories do exist. Clara Pearson, born in 1861, provided such accounts. Pearson was a member of the Nehalem Tillamook tribe, located on the northwest coast of present-day Oregon. In her book, Nehalem Tillamook Tales, Clara recalls the stories of her youth that the tribal leaders used to share. They were stories of a creature which Clara Pearson translated to Wild Woman. According to Peter Doerr, who recently uncovered another source from a related Tillamook tribe, Wild Woman is a creature that exists in the majority of Pacific Northwest Native American traditions. In both sources, Wild Woman is said to be a large, hairy creature who interacted with other beings of the natural world in that region. According to Doerr's work, Native American traditions tell of Wild Woman speaking to Cedar, who calls her beautiful. For this, Wild Woman tells Cedar that it will be the most useful tree of all. Indeed, Cedar becomes the strongest and most valuable wood for the Tillamook people, used to build canoes, baskets, and more. In addition, Wild Woman was said to be the vigilant berry police, who watched for children eating the wrong berries. White berries were thought to belong to the dead, 
and therefore should be avoided, while blueberries were safe to eat. And the red berries, those should be left for wild women. And what happened if any of the children ate wild women's red berries, you might ask? If children were seen eating these del delicacies, wild women would simply eat them. Gail Highpine tells similar stories from her over 30 years of travel throughout the U.S. to various Indian reservations. She notes that while many tribes like those of the Tillamook describe Sasquatch as a physical being existing in the same physical realms as us humans, others like the Iroquois believe it to be a more spiritual creature. When this spirit showed itself to other native groups, it was a sign of something specific or an omen of sorts. In other groups, these wild men or Sasquatch have been known to be children's dealers who would come in the night and take children from villages, much like wild women. Perhaps my favorite section in High Pine's work, though, was her account of the Lakota Sioux and their belief in the creature they call Chiatanka. For me personally, this stood out. One of my favorite movies to this day is Dances with Wolves, starring Kevin Costner. Yeah, I know, it's hard to admit, but I still think it's a great movie. In that film, the Sioux tribe that Costner becomes friendly with refers to the bison, the centerpiece of that movie, as Tatanka, very related to Chiatanka. Looking more into High Pine's book, the rough translation of Chiatanka means big or great elder brother. The Lakota people seem to believe in an amalgam of creatures, some being spiritual and some physical. However, just like the Iroquois or Tillamook, Chiatanka remains an important connection for the Lakota to nature, spirituality, and their own identity as a distinct and unique, unique tribe. It was interesting to me to see that despite several variations, Many of these stories contain eerie similarities. And most of all, the subjects are tall, bipedal, hairy creatures. Most interesting, however, was a trend that I started to notice. Many of these stories carried a lot of cultural significance for the specific groups that re recalled them. To the Tillamook people, Sasquatch, or as they referred to the creature, Wild Woman, was an essentially intertwined piece of their culture. Wild women interacted with the trees and nature spirits. In addition, wild women became an omniscient figure who monitored the children of the village, an unseen but vigilant eye. To the Tillamook children, wild woman was another parental eye that they did not want to betray. The Iroquois speak of a much more spiritual figure who only shows himself in a specific and deliberate instance. This interested me because unlike the Tillamook who spoke quite specifically about wild woman, the wild men, or Sasquatch, that the Iroquois people speak of is much like the Bigfoot we know, elusive, rarely seen, and drenched in supernatural curiosity. Dozens of tribes around the continent have stories that tell of a creature who walks like a human, who is large and hairy and elusive. These stories at times possess stark similarities to our cultural image of Sasquatch. Yet many historians and scientists continue to question whether these stories can be considered evidence at all. While there are similarities to be drawn, many believe that the modern fascination with Bigfoot has blurred so many of these specific and unique Native American histories. Believers of Sasquatch, possibly through confirmation bias, see some of these stories and quickly connect similarities thinking that they can verify the existence of Sasquatch.
However, while some similarities do exist, oftentimes there are more important differences to note. While these legends may point to the same cryptic creature that reigns supreme in our popular culture, it also must be noted that each tribe carries these unique ancestral stories down through generations, and they must be respected as the specific and unique stories that they are. Our tendency to quickly relate their stories to our own version of Bigfoot is probably historically irresponsible. Instead, after doing my own research, I came to this one conclusion. We do not know if Sasquatch exists. And as scientifically minded historical thinkers, we have to assume that it still does not. Furthermore, it is important to recall the numerous and astonishing stories that indigenous tribes contribute to their own history as well as our own shared history. Overall, I was fascinated, not how these stories necessarily prove the existence of Sasquatch or Bigfoot or any supernatural being for that matter. To me, these stories were important in that they possibly showcase some of the most important cultural aspects of the respective tribes or groups that they came from. Wild Woman of the Tillamook people was an essential character in the story of how the Tillamook people formed a relationship with the forest. Wild Woman bestowed what was for someone living in the densely wooded Pacific Northwest extremely valuable, the difference between numerous trees of the region and which ones were valuable for use. To the children, she was a vigilant eye, or as parents might have said, she kept the children from venturing into the woods and eating the wrong berry that might hurt them. Whether real or not, this question forced me to consider the necessity for legend, for monsters, the cryptic, and for the supernatural. In our own American culture, Sasquatch still stands as an essential part of our history and our story. Maybe legend is necessary after all. How can one walk through the great pines and spruces of Oregon and not swear to have heard the distant snap of a stick, tromp of a foot, or even the yell from unknown lungs? I still choose to believe, if not for the sake of science, then for the sake of culture. Quick afterward, doing the research for this Wonder Day process was an interesting experience um, as I came across a myriad of Bigfoot research organizations. Um, I became disheartened as I have a tendency to be skeptical about organizations who require you to pay a membership fee um, so you can do research alongside them in the field, especially a Bigfoot research organization. Um, but that's neither here nor there. One thing I had to keep in mind during this project was that I was going to find, um, I was not going to find the perfect collection of sources. I knew in advance that I would be mostly dealing with oral sources, um, stories passed down through generations by indigenous nations. This didn't necessarily concern me. Uh, I've had a quite a bit of experience working with Native American oral sources. However, I had to keep in mind during this process that anyone can take a source and mold its context around to create a definitive source for their argument. This isn't always bad. In fact, I think it's fun at times. However, we must keep in mind that these stories from these specific indigenous tribes are a snippet into the past of what life was like and what was important to these people. Maybe they were talking about the same Sasquatch character that we saw in Harry and the Hendersons, a tall, hairy, ape-like creature. More likely, though, these were unique stories that were pillars of, of the identities of the Tillamook, the Iroquois, and the Sioux. These stories spoke to what was important in their culture, and they taught young members of the society um, and were passed down by the old. And I think that's just one thing we need to keep in mind. Uh, despite them being oral sources, these are very valuable sources, and we must uh, just use them responsibly and use them as a look into the past.